0: If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, you're gonna have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash bluewire.
1: As it was jackson uh tonight i am joined by sean darenthal a former nba scout and current podcaster for the Stepian. what's up sean
2: not much man thanks for having me on
1: no absolutely thanks thanks for being here you have actual nba experience so that's i think that's invaluable actually so so you were a scout for the post-process sixers i guess Anything after Hinky gets fired counts as post-process in my mind. Okay. 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 Sure. So we're going to, we're going to say that's post-process. So what was that experience like and how do you think it informed the way you look at prospects?
2: The experience was incredible. It was the kind of dream that you kind of think it's going to be for the most part that at that time, like it was, so I came in right after the Colangelo thing. And he was out. And when I when I first got in, they didn't really have a GM. There was like a, a long period where they didn't really officially have one until they got uh, Elton. So, um, yeah, it was just it was weird. It was it was smaller than it is now. There's they've like hired a bunch more people, so it's kind of like a different vibe. When I talk to my friends that still work there, but it was just cool. It was like me and this other guy got hired to do like video scouting stuff. And we just sat down, like, talked about stuff all the time. We had meetings. Like, the rest of the scouts were super great guys. I made a bunch of friends with, like, the analytics guys because I have some analytics background stuff. And um, it was just an incredible experience. I learned a bunch. I don't know. Like, the question about how does that inform um, my scouting now? Honestly, like, I would love to tell you that I learned the secrets of basketball or something. <laughs> um I there were lots of people around me that were very good at this. Um, So, you know, like just kind of picking up little things here or there or being challenged on some of my ideas, sitting in a room with some of these guys and having to justify my stance or opinion on people, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that was kind of refining. But I don't know that I like learned anything big except for, I will say that I think most of the, most of the stuff that people assume teams have that's like super valuable this like wonderful scouting advantage particularly for the draft because you know it's like um it's a whole other world and these like college guys are kind of they're not as accessible as NBA people you know there's like this assumption I think that you know medicals and all this background information tell you all this stuff and there's all this information that the team has about their development system and blah 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 I will say that even from the front office side there's just as there's almost as much uncertainty as there is from the public side like the the best predictor of nba success by a large large margin is still just the film right and they watch the same film that we can get on youtube or synergy account or whatever right so um and then the the background information that they collect I mean, yeah, they have access to some things that maybe you won't hear publicly, but that stuff generally doesn't matter unless the guy is like a real negative character guy, like a serious negative character guy. And then, of course, their medicals, you know, that that's important, too. But um, anyway, yeah, I would just say, like, don't get discouraged because, like, you don't have what they have or somehow they knew something that you didn't know or blah, blah, blah. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's just like you know, the luck of the, uh, of, um, you know, the, the draft situation, like evaluating prospects and like you have the same, you're standing on pretty much equal footing as teams when it comes to drafting players. I think.
1: You heard it here first people, 20 minutes on YouTube and you too can have the knowledge of an NBA <laughs> scouting department.
2: <laughs> I mean, That's not what I said, but yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you, I've uh, you are or of course you are the host of the Stepien podcast. The Stepien is a great website for uh, for NBA draft uh, scouting and analysis. You, I've noticed from your podcast, the podcasts that you have that are not part of your Patreon, which people should go subscribe to, and I'm going to ask you about later. Uh, you are not nearly as I'm going to put this nicely. You're not nearly as effusive. Uh, some of the other people on draft twitter that uh i read and listen to is that is that by design you just feel like is that more honest uh
2: yeah it's definitely not by design like i'm not trying to be that way i just hope that i am as grounded like i'm trying to be as right as i can on average right so Mm -hmm. it's like it's not easy to do obviously this is it's like it's think about it like you know like, like like baseball like you're on base percentage you know i mean it's it's not great right like the the best players are on like 45% of the time or less right so like it's not easy to predict who's going to be good and who's not going to be good but like that is my goal is to do the best that i can so being rooted in realistic evidence about who's going to be good and and how good they're going to be like for instance the first overall pick only has a 60% chance to make a single all-star game, right? Um, If you want a good, a starter on like a good team, finding that in the top 10 is not easy after that. It's very, very improbable. So um, I guess I just look at it as like my prior is that most of these guys will not develop um, relative to their peers from where they are right now so if you're like asking a guy oh this guy's young he'll develop a shot or he'll develop you know xyz skill the odds are that he won't develop that faster than his peers are developing that so if he's already behind in that then he's like at a massive disadvantage that's just that's just the you know the the real of of the nba draft there's 60 guys drafted and not that many guys get a second contract so I just I'm just trying to be realistic. I'm not trying to be negative. Does that make sense?
1: No, it it totally makes sense. And I I don't I didn't mean to imply that you were negative, but you hear oh, yeah. no, it's cool. <laughs> you, you hear a lot of like lofty comparisons for guys at the top of the draft, and yeah. you, you don't hear that as much from you, right?
2: Yeah, I stay away from comparisons, not because they can't be used well. Like if you're trying to understand trying to convey maybe like how a certain guy does a certain skill, like how it looks or uh, the efficiency of it, or just like general value kind of in a vacuum comparisons can be valuable, Mm -hmm. but they're just dangerous because it doesn't really communicate a ton. And it's just too easy to kind of pick apart and like communicating ideas through comparisons is usually pretty fraught I found. So I just kind of stay away from that. Yeah. And definitely like most comparisons when people are doing them, um, it's like, yeah, they're comparing it to the people that come to your come to mind, or that maybe aesthetically the player in college looks like, and that's usually going to be like an all star. You know what I mean? Like most of the comparison's like at least 50% of them are two all star players, which is obviously super unrealistic, right?
1: Right. It two guys people watch play a lot of basketball. Not necessarily guys they don't watch play exactly. basketball. Yes.
2: Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah. So with that said, is Cade Cunningham the best prospect in this year's draft class?
2: Yes. Yes, okay. I think he is and I think it's I think it's pretty straightforward. There are some compelling arguments that I've heard against it. Um however, I've never heard them coupled with um an argument for another player. Like Cade's not per- a perfect prospect and he has you know, a downside like everybody else, but the overlap of his downside can't be overcome by like some wonderful upside of some other prospect in this draft. What,
1: what are, what are his downsides?
2: <laughs> okay. Let's start here. I like but, yeah, that.
1: Let's, let's start, let's start there.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so like one obvious thing is turnovers, right? Statistically, you see that pretty clearly. Uh, statistically, you see that pretty clearly. He has high turnovers. I think some large portion of those, I don't know. I, we could go 50-50 here. We could go 60-40. Some large portion of those are attributable to the difficult scenario that he found himself in at Oklahoma State. Um, there's some decent arguments that it wasn't as bad as everyone says, but when you watch the film, like the spacing is bad. The finishing of his teammates – was really bad. He was constantly, constantly being either just overtly doubled or, you know, two or three other guys were loading to him at all times. Um, so there's a lot of stuff where he was trying to force stuff because either he had to, or I don't know, he wanted to like in high school, when you go back, he wasn't doing the same thing. He, it felt like he was a more willing passer in high school. So it leads me to believe that there was some pressure on him to create more. Um. Or rather, he or maybe he misinterpreted pressure, right, to create more. But then the other chunk um, of of the turnovers are, you know, his fault for sure. Stuff where he just uh, gets, you know, gets that early double, or gets some pressure from a longer, stronger athlete who he's going up against, which was rare but happened for sure. And he would, you know, an errant dribble off of his heel or. Uh, pick up his dribble too early and get smothered and make a bad pass or, um, you know, anticipating a teammate's movement where he didn't go and maybe it wasn't his fault or something, but he just threw it out into the stands, that kind of thing. So, you know, that's a problem. Um, And then I think the other, the other big criticism that's I think really valid to kind of that caps, maybe some super, super upside that he has is uh, his, his cross section of athleticism, flexibility, and strength isn't ideal for um, the best on-ball creators in the NBA, which is the kind of role that Cade hopefully projects into. Um, not all number one overall picks like are these people. Uh, the average overall pick is like worse than like a Paul George, obviously like a Luka Doncic, guys like that, right? Mm-hmm. but these big wings that can create with the ball they often have some combination of flexibility strength and athleticism that allows them to have multiple options and be able to react quickly no matter how you guard them with one usually like one and a half guys and they'll pass when they're when they're hard doubled right or sometimes score through a hard double um that threshold of whatever combination he has of lack of flexibility although those flexibility is, is I think probably the strongest of those three skills. Um, His strength lags behind a little bit what you think it kind of is relative to how well he um, uses his physicality, what physicality he has like off of bumps and stuff like that. He's really good at body control and that kind of thing. Um, And then his athleticism, which is kind of slightly below what you kind of hope for in these wing size initiators. Um, The combination of those three skills doesn't kind of amount to what, you see in a Kawhi and a Paul George. So, you know, that limits a little bit, his ceiling, those things could improve. They could look different in a different context. But I think right now, as you evaluate his college film, those are kind of the two big knocks against him, or at least against that super, super high ceiling that we're hoping for him.
1: Right. Right. How much, so we, we can split the baby on the turnovers. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, Mm -hmm if he if he's going to be a primary initiator at the next level um how much of the 50% of his turnovers that are directly or indirectly attributable to his teammates can we expect to see like is he is i i think when when i watch kid i see like a very good passer right not yeah. necessarily like an elite level passer but a very good passer in college but all this guy all his teammates are not very good and he's being triple teamed all the time with with single coverage with you know one and a half guys instead of like 2.25 guys or, or something like that with mm-hmm. uh the, with better with better teammates with uh better nba spacing will will we see an elite level passer or will he still kind of be a very good passer in your eyes
2: so um. I I think that he is probably like in that class of like elite level passers that I've evaluated from college. He's as good as Ben Simmons was. I think um, he's like a tick below Trey and a tick below Luca. Um, and there are some other guys that you could put in there and that were above him, but just, you know, just like for a point of reference for other people that may have seen those guys like pre NBA and the, the one thing that like worries me a tad, well, let me just say, he makes all of the kind of advanced passes that you want, like a lead, uh, initiated to get to particularly out of the pick and roll, like the, the skips cross court, weak side corner stuff. That's all there. Um, the really easy, I get doubled quickly. I can just one man away or two men away. Kind of the, 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 shorter skip pass that stuff definitely happens. The kickouts, he's strong enough. And he, like the blindside kickouts where he kind of anticipates somebody's going to be behind him or fill some spot behind him. Kickout, like that's like Luca's thing, right? He could find anybody anywhere in the court. Cade, I think, has those things. The one thing that kind of pulls back a little bit is that most of the great passers, they passed to space where they knew a guy should be. And so they kind of would either move their teammates there or was just thinking earlier than the defense. So the defense while the defense is rotating toward the nail or whatever to like tag the roll man. Usually that guy on the weak side, right? He's coming on the baseline to to tag the roll man to help if they're going to guard the the pick and roll with three. He comes over and so that skip pass to the weak side is open. Most of the time like LeBron, he's hitting that uh James Harden always doing this. He's hitting it as that guy just starts his momentum to the middle of the court to tag the roll man. So, you know, you're maximizing the shooting window for that guy. Um, obviously, that's a longer pass, so it's longer in the air. gives more time for the guy to recover, blah, blah, blah. Cade is mostly passing. I mean, that happens sometimes that he like really anticipates the defense or, like, reads it really quick and gets that pass out early. Most of the time, though, he's passing to already open players, which really significantly cuts down that window because NBA defenders are already waiting for that, right? They're like, they're keying on that. So they're sitting at the nail already and they're saying, all right, like, where are you going to go? Because I'm ready to recover back off my dig. So like, that's kind of problematic and it will make all of those wonderful passes that he can make and that he he can read fine, just like a little bit less valuable because he's giving people less time. And there's those spectacular classes, uh, passes, excuse me, where he's like creating an advantage that wasn't really there because a guy is looking the other way. And so he passes one of his teammates open. That stuff didn't happen as much. Again, this could be the context at OSU, but I, I do think there's something there where like, he's just kind of a tick below those super elite guys of the NBA. He'll still be great, but he won't be maybe the Trey or the Luca.
1: Right. I, I mean, like there are a lot of worlds between like Luca and, I don't know who doesn't pass somebody who doesn't pass. I mean, Kevin
2: that... I mean, Durant's an often like people don't tag him so much for this, but he's not an amazing passer. Yeah. Right. Like, but he's, he's still good, but he's kind of that next tier or maybe two tiers down from those elite guys.
1: And, and you can still be elite as a primary and have like weaknesses, right? I'm not trying to Definitely. eliminate all uh, traces of kids weaknesses. I'm actually curious about them. and, in order to uh find ways to shore them up around him. Does that make sense? Yeah, of it's course. Like, yeah. Because the the Pistons presumably going to take Cade, they have another primary initiator in Killian Hayes that they just selected last year. Um yeah. you would you would presume that the ball handling duties between those two guys get split and that defenses are uh able to defenses are, are uh, not as as uh, able to key on one of them simply because both of them as as ball handlers are on the floor at the same time um is that a pairing that you see working at the next level
2: i don't i mean theoretically like if both of those guys hit like really good outcomes right they be, both become super valuable mm-hmm. yes definitely mostly because Cade is already a really good shooter and projects to probably get even better in that area off the dribble, spot up stuff. Like his touches is, 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 really, really good. And then if Killian kind of hits some of his higher end valuable outcomes, it definitely involves like some shooting improvement, right? So maybe he's not, he's not going to be an incredible shooter or doesn't project to be definitely could be, but probably not. But as long as he's passable and good and has some gravity off ball, and is able to, you know, pull up a little bit if guys are going under on the pick and roll. Because if you can't pull up, that's like death for like an on-ball initiator, right? Like you have to have this guy in the NBA follow you over the screen, or like so many passes and so many plays just aren't there or just don't work. So in the scenario in which both of them are good, yeah, for sure it's not a problem to have both of these guys. Uh, you know, they help space for each other, they're both good passers. You know, strong side, you create an advantage. You get doubled. You whip it to the second side, and he's going against a disadvantaged defense. Like the best offenses in the league often have, you know, multiple creators like this that can go strong side, second side. Like that's not a problem. That's ideal. The problem is going to be if Killian can't shoot. Um, Cade is probably the better playmaker overall. So, like, it's not going to be in terms of like you want to optimize your your best player. Usually, is like the way to optimizing your team right Mm -hmm. so then Killian will probably it won't be like let's optimize Killian give him more on-ball reps because he's not as great of an off-ball shooter and let's have Cade space like that would just limit your team right so like you would you would definitely do it the other way around and Killian would just get less minutes and that's but that's fine you guys are young and you're building slow which is cool and exciting I think so I mean you know just like reps now and like lose games intentionally fine like do it let your young guys as they get better pull you out and then add veterans or whatever so yeah
1: okay Uh, (laughs) no that that makes a lot of sense um and i have become more concerned about killian's low-end outcomes uh after this year i I don't think that's the uh i don't think I i don't i don't know how likely it is but it's definitely like more likely than it was or than i thought it was like a year ago at least um
2: yeah can i just ask you real quick like what is the what do you and just the fan base in general think of him?
1: The the fan base is split. Uh there are there are a lot of people who uh see the what what like what they were billed was uh, French D'Angelo Russell and they didn't get that, and so they're like, This guy sucks. <laughs> right? Or they're like, This is tall Ricky Rubio. And they're like, that's fine. But that's not like what I wanted or what this team needed. Right. right? Um, and then there are uh, there, then then there's the other side, It's more optimistic, I find myself closer to the optimistic side. But I was also like, ridiculously high on Killian uh, coming into the year or coming into uh, to the class. Um, and so I've been forced to, to temper that but you you look at the, the ability to the ability to like manipulate in the, in the pick and roll, you look at the, the fact that like he can really, he really only wants to do one thing and defenses know that he really only wants to do one thing. And yet he still gets away with it. I think, I think that's, I think that's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. And it points more to if he ever gets proficient at anything else, uh, it'll be a nightmare for defenses to try and cover. But that question about will he get proficient with anything else is, is, is a big one is a big open one. So I, I remain optimistic, um, but less optimistic than I was when he was initially drafted. We'll say that much.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I just one, like just to, uh, not that I'm like optimistic or pessimistic, really like, I, I wasn't well, yeah, you're, you're not his. a fan of the team I get it <laughs> I I wasn't scouting heavily that year like I kind of just did like peripherally this is I'm kind of jumping back in it in this this uh this draft year but I so I don't really have any like stock in in him one way or the other but I will say like in my draft modeling in the past the first year um impact uh impact stats like all-in-one metrics don't correlate that much to your career peak like years the average of like three and four of the impact metrics correlate much more highly and and like they do very highly actually two career peaks so you know lots of people have bad rookie years so i would not just, just don't sweat it i mean there weren't as yeah. many flashes as you'd like to see for sure yeah but um i would just well, say overall like don't sweat it
1: yeah and the injury obviously like took away a lot of that i think um you could see like as the year went on and he got uh, the as the end of the year came up and, you know, teams are not necessarily like scouting the Pistons particularly hard or, or playing their yeah. their guys particularly hard. You could see him find success doing things and um, you could see him building on things. And it, it would have been nice to have him have an entire season to build upon instead of like a, a third of one, essentially. But, yeah. you know, you, you take what you're given. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. yeah, that's that's how I feel.
0: If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, whether it's breakaway speed or elite playmaking ability, you're gonna have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Go to Indeed.com slash Bluewire to claim your seventy-five dollar credit before March thirty first. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Offer valid through March 31st. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale On Shopify, you can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience, and you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Go to Shopify.com slash BlueWire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to Shopify.com slash BlueWire right now. That's Shopify.com
1: slash BlueWire. What else was I going to ask you? Oh. Uh, one thing that I noticed about Cade and just watching him is that Oklahoma state kind of just posted him up randomly. Um, like I think, I think that's a funky way to get a primary initiator, uh, involved. Do you think he'll be able to do that at the NBA level at his size? Or, uh, does that still kind of remain just like inherently so inefficient that it's not worth trying?
2: Uh, no, I think in fact, it's been a trend in the NBA, it kind of spiked a little bit this season and has been, it has been trending up um, over the past few seasons that as attempts from centers posting up have gone down, like that shot is, you know, out of the repertoire of not completely out, but, you know, leaving the repertoire of many NBA teams Mm -hmm. posting up, particularly when one of your bigger creators has um, a mismatch advantage, mismatch advantage, posting that guy up to play make out of that scenario because NBA teams still double that action aggressively for some reason in the playoffs. <laughs> you see them do it less because you know, it's more about, I don't know. They're less uh, instinctive about it. There's like more, um more intentionality and in, like all of the specific rotations that you want to have when or whatever you know in all the micro situations that you have during a playoff game but during regular season people still aggressively double that for whatever reason and Luca did a lot of efficient offense getting posted on you know when particularly he was playing like a smaller um a smaller guard and um that's definitely something that I mean. Of course, LeBron does it. Jokic does it. I mean, I'm just I'm cherry picking kind of the you know the best the best examples. Of the league, but, yeah, yeah, but I think it, it's definitely reasonable for K to do that. Now, again, I talked a little bit about the strength not being as functional as you like. However, his coordination and using bumps and his physicality is good. So, I imagine that that kind of thing can improve a lot, and he probably will be a threat to score, particularly with just like. Uh, like a a one-legged fadeaway. I can't imagine him not developing that, not being able to go to that off of like, again, you know, when the mismatch is there, going to that action, so he's a threat to score. And then if you double him, he passes very easily out of those situations because that's what you want, right? You want that double team, so he's anticipating that. Um, Yeah, I I think that it could be a a great thing potentially, right? Depending on how he kind of develops and his teammates around him. But yeah, that could work for sure.
1: No, yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, I had not noticed the the like the league wide trends. Again, like you you mentioned LeBron, and LeBron's kind of old now. And this was always kind of the in my <laughs> mind like this is always kind of what LeBron was going to end up doing when he turned uh, thirty eight, just posting up yeah. weaker dudes and passing out of double teams for the rest of his life. And you probably do that <laughs> yeah. at least forty five. Um, but uh, you look at a guy like Devin Booker, right? Devin Booker is not the tallest or the strongest or the fastest. Uh, you know creator in in the league but he makes a lot of hay out of posting up and he's not even like an amazing passer he's a he's turned himself into a decent passer but he's not like an amazing passer like Cade yeah and so it's like that that is definitely something i think that you you could take advantage of um but it's also like uh you people you hear people say post up and people hear like inefficient offense. And so I wanted to get your your thoughts about that for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. that That's a great distinction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the intention here is to pass out of it. Yes. Not necessarily to like take a contested hook shot or whatever, right?
1: Yeah. Draw draw a double and make plays out of that. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> uh, defensively is I'm a creator and I'm not a negative because I'm 6'8" and smart the best we can ask for or do you think kate has the potential to be kind of an impact player on that end
2: that's a really good question i would say i would say like i don't i don't know i if i were to bet i'd bet against him being some amazing two-way player Mm -hmm. uh but i definitely think there there are many many conceivable outcomes to him being an above average on ball defender, obviously you talk about the size, his length is definitely adequate. Um, he, you, he just, his intelligence to use legal physicality, legal contact, bump a guy and stay on his hip is good. And I think that kind of stuff probably improves. Um, and I I would say like in my evaluation early in the season, his defense was much more crisp. He was processing like all, you could see him like, you know, computing all the little variables and adjusting where he was in their zone moment to moment, positioning himself based on, you know, whether there was a guy behind him on the weak side, uh, you know, loading to the strong side, who had the ball, blah, blah, blah. Um, It was really, really good stuff. Obviously intelligent. Obviously he was like a, a good, can be a very good team defender. Then later in the year, it was like, I cannot maintain that um, and also like maintain the offensive load that I have or whatever, for whatever reason, um, he couldn't do it. So is that an indication of a poor motor? Is that an indication of like, I don't know, um, uh, poor natural uh, stamina, right? Some guys just have great natural stamina. Some guys don't. So maybe he'll never be able to really exude himself defensively or something. Um, I don't know. That probably has a lot to do with the context that he's in in the NBA. Um, I can't imagine, though, that in the playoffs he's not going to be a positive defender. Like when he's really locked in, there's a lot of financial, social, peer pressure kind of stuff. I cannot imagine that he won't be like a good, really engaged defender. Is he going to be like a Paul George on ball? I don't think so. Um, he doesn't necessarily have all of the defensive gifts that a lot of like the, the top shelf on ball, like wing defenders have, but I can't see him really being a large negative. So I don't know. Did I even say anything? Maybe I just kind of mealy mouth my way out of like an answer.
1: No. Uh, I mean, I heard, I heard some things, right. I heard, (laughs) I heard you, you won't have to hide him in the playoffs, which I think is important. Um, we're, we're seeing now the importance of not, uh, of having no uh, significant weak links defensively in the playoffs. Uh, I think that's, that's been a a lesson that uh, I've been trying to to take away from this playoffs. We've been seeing the, the advent of uh, multiple coverages during games, like changing coverages during games. And if he's, if he's, if he's a guy who can process it, uh, can process that into the floor well enough um, when not, tired from absorbing the rigors of a 30 percent usage rate um then i feel comfortable about him uh you know being able to absorb and and play multiple coverage as well and i think that'll be important uh, in the long term um but I, i do think the the athleticism questions that we talked about a little bit earlier also kind of rear their head on defense right it is it is a lot. It's a lot easier to be good on defense if you're just an insane athlete and, and engaged on that end, and so uh, yeah, him him not being an, an insane run jump guy, or an insane um, slide slide. I put my arm on you and you can't move anymore, guy. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, put kind of kind of rears his head as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. Did that make, like, did that make th- sense? <laughs> yeah, definitely. the The best guys, for sure, are like the combination of amazing feel and um, whatever anticipation amazing on ball defenders have and usually some kind of length and strength. Right. Right. Um, And like the flexibility to take deep angles um, and then stop on a dime and recover like your momentum and then explode back to contest like a fadeaway or whatever, like that. Paul George is so freaking good at. And the Kawhi is really, really good at. Um, like the next shelf of great on-ball defenders is a lot like amazing balance and strength. Um, And I I don't know that K necessarily falls into that bucket either, although like his body control, athleticism and intelligence is really good. But there are so many really, really high impactful off-ball defenders, which frankly, I think is much more important. It's not like on-ball doesn't mean anything, but like your off-ball defense, I think generally matters a lot more just because in the highest levels of basketball, you're focused on, as a team, as a unit, stopping their best players and forcing them into their weaknesses. And that's not easy to do. And you have to make a lot of you know, good reads in the moment and in, in things that you may maybe haven't seen exactly in that way before. Um, and Cade has that, right? So I'm not saying he's going to be like a Robert Covington, like king of deflections. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Um, but he's definitely going to be able to make early decisions so his positioning um should be reliable i think which is you know which is great which is definitely like above the floor of what like you're asking for when it comes to the playoffs
1: right and i mean like honestly you you play a lot more off ball defense than you do on ball defense generally
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
1: and so like if if you if you had to pick one i i I guess it's better to be better at the thing you do more often i don't know
2: though (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah, that's tough. I mean, we're getting kind of like, what does it mean to be more important, right? Like we're getting into kind of some nebulous territory and so you yeah. can kind of argue both ways and I definitely hear you. But yeah, I mean, there's one ball. There's only one guy can be guarding the ball at a time and there's four other players. So yeah, like I I do think that, that that's kind of a thing. And obviously for bigs, it matters a lot more, right? Like they are the primary off-ball defender, usually like the first help on drives and stuff. So, you know, obviously for them, that matters a lot more, but um, yeah, wing defenders... When people are going small all the time in the playoffs, um, you know, protect the rim by committee, help and recover—that stuff matters a ton.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, shooting, Cade, really good shooter, over forty percent from three. Um, the shot versatility is what I am more curious about. Um, the The pull up is the I, I like. I really love the way he organizes himself on his Mm -hmm. pull-ups and I wanted to ask you since you're smarter than me if that if that organizing principle makes you think that he has any upside as kind of uh, an off-motion shooter I mean like not like he's going to be Duncan Robinson or anything but just like again like with the post ups I'm trying to envision like more ways that he can attack a defense that aren't just like I'm dribbling and a guy sets a pick at 28
2: feet Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I reject the idea that I'm smarter than you. (laughs) I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet, but, um, I, I do think that a lot of his mechanics and his body control, how quickly he gathers, how quick his shot is and how, I mean, it's more of an aesthetic description. So it's not really that meaningful, but his shot is so easy and he gets to, he gets to like the functional part of his mechanic so quickly and easily that um, like th- there was a lot of, okay. So he didn't have a lot of like motion, heavy motion stuff, right. That's yeah. like super valuable in the NBA. But he, what he, he did the, have he though, the
1: ball in his hand, a bunch at Oklahoma state. Right. So yeah, there's exactly. not the opportunity exactly. for him
2: to do that type of thing. Exactly. And also it wouldn't even make sense. Like for him to run a lot of like complicated staggers and like pin downs off ball, because of all of the like the lack of shooting that was on his team it was like no one else was pulling any gravity so it it just didn't it didn't make a lot of sense to do that but in like sidelines out of bounds plays baseline out of bounds plays um you know you see that stuff a lot where he's you know he sets a fake screen face one way rolls across two screens um, back opposite toward the ball catches turns and shoots you know just like a long two on the baseline or just like outside the three-point line in the corner. Like those kind of plays are super common and he was awesome in those plays. Just stopping, recovering his momentum, you know, going in like the opposite direction, planting, turning and quickly getting a shot off as the defenders tracking him. Like that stuff was there. So I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, what, like what are the realistic expectations for him? Um, I I talked about Paul George a lot, but for some reason I'm, he's just in my head. I don't know because... I mean, the Clippers, Clippers are playing right now, so... <laughs> yeah. So he's probably not at the Paul George level, but like Paul George will do a lot of just like simple pin down stuff or like have the ball, um, get rid of it, and then come back to it and curl around a screen, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, have the balance and length to kind of shoot over somebody and, and read... And like more importantly read how his defender goes right so if his defender goes under just to be able to stop turn and shoot that like that kind of stuff i envision Cade being able to do of course that's going to be like context dependent does he have like a smart big to play the dho game with and um you know what what are his teammates like as far as skill sets and stuff but like i think i think that's reasonable for you to expect him to do that at some level um like of course that's very difficult like shooting off movement threes and being asked to do that in the playoffs like being really efficient at that that's hard to do so is it likely no but maybe we put it at like 40 or 45 percent right which is like as good as you're going to get in terms of certainty on stuff like this
1: no absolutely that and you actually kind of took me into my next question so thank you uh what what kind of a roster would you build around cade if if you were uh if you were Troy Weaver and if you were making personnel decisions, what, what, what kind of, uh, what team, what kind of other players would you want around K to accentuate what makes him great? Yeah.
2: So I, I think this is like, this is super easy. I mean, this is like, he is the cookie cutter, big wing creator that like every NBA team is drooling for. And you know, you want to put versatile shooting, Good perimeter defenders around him, and you know, ideally, you want to pair him with another uh, good creator, right? Like most of the best teams have two of them. Um, so there's no like secret like where you have to kind of build a team around a guy like a Ben Simmons or a Trey Young who have obvious weaknesses. He's not really that guy. He's like the perfect guy because he allows you to go in in whatever way you happen to acquire talent, whatever avenues are open to you, right? Because like the idea of like building a team around a guy is great in theory. And certainly certain archetypes matter that you should try to find, but like, you know, having free agents open to you at a time, like you, you don't know whether guys are going to decide to come to you or not, or trades are going to happen at the time when you have the right assets and the team where the disgruntled star wants to, wants to, you know, come from, whether he wants to stay with you or whether you have the assets that they want or whatever. Right. So like a lot of it's just out of your control in terms of team building. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's as easy as it gets. Cause it's like, what kind of team do you want to put around LeBron James or around like Paul George, Kawhi Kawhi Leonard. You just want to put around as much talent as you can around them. Obviously shooting is best to help these guys in spacing and like two way guys is always great. Obviously. Um, but like, there's no like. I don't think cookie cutter recipe that you have to have for him. He's kind of like, just get me talent. I am the easiest thing to fit around.
1: Okay, I w- I wondered because you know you you mentioned the cookie cutter, and um, you know we we talked a little bit about this during the podcast. I, I wondered if uh, if it was gu- if it was good to go, quote unquote, like heliocentric, where he is the yeah. only creator you have on the floor and the rest of the guys are uh you know shooting in defense um also it's kind of funny to just be like what kind of team do you want to put around kate it's like i don't know like five, five like four other six eight dudes who can shoot <laughs> pass and defend right like the same yeah. thing everybody else wants
2: yeah but, right yeah or but, like steph curry and draymond green like you know what i mean just like right. like good players like right. yeah
1: yeah but i like i did wonder like if he's if he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be the quote unquote point guard uh, of this team, especially since Killian's in play. I don't, I don't really think that matters. Again, like creator yeah. is not a position, uh, per like the, right. the however you p- define position. But I do think
2: right. uh, who cares who brings the ball past like half court, right? Like right. I don't, like Ben Simmons did that. Like are we are we worried about like calling him something or not? Right? Like we know what he does on offense, so we're not super concerned about you know, where he is at the 22nd mark on the on the shot clock anyway
1: well simmons is actually an interesting case for me personally but we like that's that's neither here nor there um okay (laughs) but it's just like uh you want another if he's the if he's the guy who's going to be a really good team defender you will want another really good on ball defender to handle the wing assignments that uh you don't necessarily want him taking and so My my hope is that that's, uh, that's somebody that somebody is already on the Pistons roster, whether that's Jeremy Grant, whether that's Sadiq Bay, whether that's somebody uh, soon to come. But I I don't necessarily uh, see that guy on the roster right now. But I I yeah. do think that is one thing that uh, the team will be looking for in the not too distant future uh, once Kate is there.
2: Yeah, for sure, that makes sense. I mean, a lot of like even um, guys that are like really one dimensional in that way still have value in the in the playoffs like for instance um oh gosh I'm the worst with names if you listen to my podcast you know that sometimes I'll just like be thinking of a guy and can describe a bunch of other traits besides his actual name pj tucker uh, i stalled for long enough and i got it nice pj tucker is you know not even very good at his quote like quote unquote his shot right like the 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 corner the three from corner what is three? it like the, the, yeah particularly from like the left side which is like his side and he's not even that good at that And yet he had a ton of value in that net series, obviously. Um, And then in other matchups, he's not going to be as valuable. So like those guys, you can definitely find as you're like building a championship roster, you can kind of find on the margins as needed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah, no, that makes total sense.
2: Uh, What
1: in your mind, what's, what does the, like, I don't want to be greedy. What's like the 75th percentile outcome. For Kate Cunningham.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, like second best player on a championship team, or like one A, one B on a championship team. Uh, Maybe that's aggressive for like seventy fifth percentile outcome. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: No, probably lower than that for seventy fifth percentile outcome. Like, let's be reasonable. It's cool to like get excited about this guy who really is that, um, prototypical wing. I can shoot, I can pass, I'm smart and I'm big. All that's like, that's really exciting, but probably like second or like third best offensive player on a championship team, probably like second best, second best offensive player on a championship team, whether he's like the actual second best player overall, I don't know, but like probably the second best offensive player on a championship team on like on the average championship team. Like there are definitely theoretical roster constructions that could win a championship where he is the best offensive player, but then also has a teammate who's like, you know, relatively the same qu- quality of offensive player or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he. I think, I think that's, that's, I know it sounds crazy because these guys don't come around very often, but I, I think, yeah, I I think that's what it is.
1: Uh, you, I mean, like, you don't have to apologize for, for what you think, <laughs> right? Like,
2: <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's just like, when you look at the numbers you go back through draft history it's not very realistic that you find one of these guys and mm-hmm. um even when even when they're built as such most of the time they're not that and uh i mean i'm not saying he's going to be a top 5 i'm not saying that a 75th percentile outcome is a top 5 nba player right i'm not saying he has to be in the shelf of a steph a harden a durant a lebron um an embiid a jokic like i'm not saying he, That's the 75th percentile outcome, although that is like an outcome, a higher outcome for him. Like that's he could get there. But, um, you know, the the tier kind of below that where you're still good enough to, like, you know, win a championship. But you have to have, you know, two other guys with you, probably.
1: Paul George. I'm
2: kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) he's he's kind of a theme, but like, yeah, I was thinking it didn't want to say it, but thank you.
1: (laughs) No, no, no problem uh <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean i think that is not what the fans want to hear right now obviously it's like hey why? We got why do you say that well because people people want to think that they're going to draft a top five player right and yeah. the the uh the expectation you're always selling hope like with the number one pick right the expectation yeah. is you're going to draft this guy number one he's going to turn around the entire fortunes of your franchise and you're going to win a championship in seven years. Right. Yeah. But Like that. That's, that's the fairy tale and life doesn't like occur like that. So I think, it, I think it's important to, to say like, you know, Hey, you could get a top 25 NBA player and he's on your team. And like, you have a shot at a championship. If things go your way in certain years against certain opponents. Right. I think of the yeah. uh I think of the year the the Blazers made the uh Western Conference finals, right? Like mm-hmm. you you have you have uh if everything breaks your way like you have a shot at uh at being a high level team, but that's not guaranteed and you shouldn't and you shouldn't act like it is, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and and with that also said, right, his ceiling still remains higher than other prospects you are going to find in this draft, right? We we talked about how he's the number one prospect in this class for a reason. If yeah, you know, Cade's seventy fifth percentile outcome is you know the second best guy in a championship team, it's like what does that say about some of the other prospects in the top three and the top four, right? And so
2: yeah,
1: th- it, you you can only draft the guys that are in the class, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think this is a, as a, is a situation where. It's like a Greg Oden, Kevin Durant kind of thing um, where there's like two guys and like some people like the other guy, like Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram at the time, there were some guys that were like, Hey, no, Ingram's right there. Like maybe like he's the top guy or a lot of people said that he was the top guy. That's not really the situation. I, well, maybe I shouldn't say that in my mind, it's not the situation. There are some people that like Mobley. I've heard arguments for Mobley. Uh, more recently over him but like I think in my head it's like just him and only him
1: okay how how would you compare Cade to other top flight prospects we've seen this decade like I I think Cade goes number one like last year for example but yeah he's probably not like I would take Zion over Cade I would take uh I don't know. I'd take like I would take Luca over Cade, for example, and Luca went fifth, right? So I'm not even going to go there. But <laughs> but where, where do where do you think Cade stacks up among the like other top flight prospects?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I think he's I think he stacks up really well. I mean, just to think about the number one overall picks over the last few years, like Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson. DeAndre Ayton, who I mean, it probably should have been Luca. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Markel Fultz, obviously he's a, uh, that's a special that's, case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's you no, know,
1: I mean, like, anyway. you, you probably have some insight into that that I don't, but that, that is a special <laughs> case.
2: <laughs> yeah. I wish I did. I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Ben Simmons, um, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Anthony Bennett, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, John Wall, Blake Griffin, Derek Rose. I mean, we've recently had a a slew of like overall picks that weren't necessarily great, but like when you get back to like 2012 and back the Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, John wall, Blake Griffin, Derek Rose, like those are all really good players. Um, I, I, Kate, I think is about, about, I think he's a slightly above the average number one overall pick. Like, I don't know that he was quite like the Anthony Davis level prospect or, the Carl Anthony Towns level prospect. Um, those guys were like, you know, kind of flawless. I don't think he's a Luca level prospect. Like I was heavily involved in scouting like Luca. Um, but like overall, I think he's above average number one overall pick, which kind of projects him into being a perennial all-star kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spends a couple years maybe of his career flirting with a top 10 overall player in the league. And then, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you know, he spends a few of his years of his prime, like flirting with a top five overall player. Right. But I don't think he's a LeBron James flawless. He's not that right.
1: Right. Okay. Now that, that makes sense. It's been funny to watch uh, an exercise done over at the, uh, the website I, uh, I do editing for, uh, where they're they're trying to answer this exact question, and it's been funny to see some of the names they were going with the the top three prospects, and so it's funny to be mm-hmm. like, how like how how good was Jabari Parker? Like I, I kind of remember like he was really good, but like how how good was Jabari Parker before you know his <laughs> knees betrayed him, right? It's, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, how good how good was Bradley Beal back in college? And so it's just it's been an interesting yeah. thought experiment uh, to go through.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's hard. I mean, gosh, time like time warps your perception of these guys. There's like a hindsight bias and all that kind of stuff. But like of what I can remember thinking back, like Cade's better than like a lot of guys that we could ask that question of. Like, I, I do think he's an above average overall number one pick. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Take that for what it's worth.
1: No, I mean, I mean, you, you do not hear me complaining about getting the number <laughs> one pick. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, Sean. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, let the people know how they can find your work and how they can support you.
2: Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. Uh, it's great to talk about like really good players. I love that. I, I can be found on Twitter at O2Odin. And um, I, yeah, my podca- the Stepien NBA Draft podcast is what I do. I, I usually post stuff at thestepien.com. Uh, the website and then i have a patreon for um, patreon episodes of the podcast that i'll do um, and you can find that at patreon slash patreon.com slash sean Darenthal. so yeah thanks again man i really appreciate it
1: no uh were you were you a big greg odin guy
2: uh i grew up in ohio and was like Uh, pretty much indoctrinated i was a buckeye guy so gotcha
1: Thanks again, Sean. And we'll we'll have to do this uh again sometime soon. Uh for some of the lesser known or lesser heralded, I should say, uh draft prospects. Yeah. Pistons have go. three second round picks. I don't know what to do about those.
2: <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure.
1: All right. Uh this has been uh Pistons versus everybody. Uh thank you all for listening. And uh yeah, I don't know, it's the off season. I'll talk to you guys in the future. See ya.